0: Welcome to the Powers on Sports for the week of January 28. It is Super Bowl week for all of us. My name's Jason, I'm your host down in Tampa, Florida. Going to have you uh we've got Michael Banks on the line. He's up in Birmingham in the in the in the center of the polar vortex. We're going to get to that in a minute. Welcome, Michael.
1: Thanks, Jason. How has it been? It's been a long time.
0: It's been a little while, so we're gonna we're gonna let you catch up. We're gonna let you get we're gonna catch up catch us up with the audience. I know you had a little trip out to San Fran for the national championship game. That debacle out there with your roll tide rollers and uh, all that good stuff. We're gonna get to that in just a second. All right. So if you guys want to check, reach out to us on the podcast. You can you can send us a note at our Twitter account at Kick the Football. Kick the FB is our Twitter handle. We've also created an Instagram page in the last week or so, Powers on Sports on Instagram. Check us out. Send us a comment, pictures, all that good stuff. I'm still learning all the ins and outs of Instagram. Mike, are you an Instagram guy?
1: I am not. I'm a, tw- a sole, sole Twitter user only. You're a tweeter, huh? You're a, tw- a tw- tweety Twitter, 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 Twitster? A twatter. Yep.
0: Yes, a twatter. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's all kind of funky stuff you can do on Instagram apparently and apparently I'm I'm way behind the times because I don't know how to do virtually none of it. So, trying to work it out as we go. <laughs> all right. So, tonight on the episode we are going to talk a little Super Bowl memories. We're going to talk about you know kind of our first memories of the Super Bowl, both of us are in our
1: I, I know I'm Mike. you 40, you're 40, right, Mike? Not yet, quit Quit and add, quit adding age age to me. I'm I'm 39 and uh, one third. Okay, my bad. I, I knew <laughs> I knew you were. I knew it was close. Yeah, it's coming up in September.
0: All right, so we'll talk about some, We'll talk about our first kind of our, our some memories of the Super Bowl growing up and all that good stuff. I got a couple. I know Mike's got a couple. We're gonna we'll we'll, we'll revisit the uh, officiating debacle quickly uh, in New Orleans and in, in the Kansas City game. We'll talk about some suggestions we have or talk about replay and should replay be more involved than it is and all that good stuff. I'm also going to throw out an overtime uh, revision that I think would, uh, you know, you hear the argument about both teams should get the ball in overtime. I'm going to throw out a proposal that I think would be pretty effective and would guarantee both teams get, get the ball at least once in overtime, but yet not elongate the game very long. And then we're going to break down the matchup of the game itself. We're going to talk about obviously the the teams, the offenses, defenses, the coaching matchups, some player some players to look out for, maybe that we're not thinking about. And uh we're also going to talk Anthony Davis. Mr. Davis down in Nola is looking to get out. Looks like he wants to go go west young man to see LeBron and the boys out in LA. And we'll see if Magic Johnson can put together a package with there's a couple interesting uh Restrictions with, involving the Celtics, and there's some time uh, ramifications with the trade deadline coming up. So we'll talk a little Anthony Davis here at the end. So, all right, Mike. So, why don't you give the audience a quick little, uh, little little recap? Of you. I know you. Again, we haven't spoke since uh, the last time we spoke was before the national championship game. That was a hot performance by your Crimson Tide, and uh, Dabo Sweeney takes home his second national championship with a thorough beatdown of the Crimson Tide, just a, uh, an, emphatic, an emphatic win, a very uh, shocking result, not that Clemson won the game, but obviously by the result of the game and the score margin. So give us your
1: perspective on your – first of all, give us a little uh, recap of your trip down to San Fran. Yeah, it was a uh, – like you said, I'm about to turn 40 this year. My wife is as well, so we were planning on taking a trip, um, and we had, San Francisco is one of the places we had thought about. We got tickets to the game, which apparently were not that hard to get based on ticket prices. (laughs) We we decided to go ahead and make our trip instead of May go go ahead and do it in in January. We went to San Francisco uh, the day uh, the Friday before. We had a great trip. We had a really bad evening Monday night, but uh, we made up with it. Made up for it with some In and Out Burger, and then uh, and then went to Alcatraz Tuesday morning. That that really brightened our spirits, and uh we'll right, see so how bad me, it could could be. Give,
0: give me a little give me a little trek on Alcatraz. I know that'd be obviously if I ever get out that way, that'll be a that'll be it on the is, bucket list of things to do. Is it as is it scary and cre- not creepy, but just
1: is it very nerve wracking getting out there? What's the deal? It, it the, I mean, the getting out there, getting on the island is not that bad. Going through it, it's not really nerve wracking. It it's really neat. Now we went during the daytime. I've heard the nighttime tours are pretty creepy. Um, people say they see ghosts, all kinds of stuff. It's definitely a must if you go out there. but let me go ahead and tell you if you're if you're planning a trip, get your tickets early because the tickets go there it's not something you just show up and, and get a ticket for. You have to get it in advance. They sell out pretty quick and uh, but it, it's definitely a must go. it is really is really something else to see it obviously because most of us all have seen movies about it we've seen the you know escape from alcatraz the rock all that stuff so getting to see it in person and, and and uh the audio tour that we're that you take is really really cool uh now the nighttime tours were actually shut down at that time because that was the uh when the government shutdown was still going on right so yeah so we but we wouldn't have been able to do it anyways we could only do it that tuesday morning but after that, we went up to Napa for a couple of days and we uh, we took care of our problems with the uh, in wine country. So uh, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, yeah. what was what was frustrating about the game to me as an Alabama fan is the, it the score was really not indicative of the like of a dominating game from a from a yardage standpoint, from a statistical standpoint. It was just, uh, you know, uh, key stops in the red zone, which was which was really the difference in the game. And 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 untimely turnovers and, and just costly turnovers were really the difference in the game. Bama put up four hundred and fifty yards. I mean, we moved the ball between the twenties like it, at ease. But they just they just they were flat. And I saw a thing today Josh Jacobs said they were he really felt like they were mentally fatigued and I and I can I, I can definitely and I'm sure everybody else definitely saw that happening. But uh, we didn't well, see they, they- the whole game. Once Jalen came in and went three and out, we uh we hit the road um, and got back to the car right as the fireworks are going off, so we could. Uh, we didn't have to hear hear too well, much.
0: Well, like like we t- like I talked about on previous couple previous episodes or after the game, uh, the Alabama defense was a disaster on third down. I mean, just just Terrible. time after time, third and long. Yep. Lawrence just sieved them on those third and longs and third down conversions, and yeah. uh, and, and,
1: and and the other thing. And this show, you know, obviously we've seen the reconstruction of, uh, of the staff, especially on the defensive side. I, I don't think Saban ha- was happy with, with Tosh Lupoy and, and, you know, it's come out. And I heard, I heard it before it actually came out from a, from a source of mine, but that he had not been calling the plays. It's pretty much a Tennessee game. And um, it showed uh, the, the lack of pressure – that not only Alabama, but Notre Dame for that matter, and anybody else that played them, refused to put on Lawrence. I don't understand it. When he's pressured, he's a different quarterback. I mean, the two two or three times that he was pressured in that game, he didn't make great decisions with the ball. And they just refused to pressure him. And I just, I don't, I didn't understand that. I thought that that was a flaw in the game plan, especially after seeing what Notre Dame uh, what they did to Notre Dame without pressure, I, I, I really thought that that'd be an emphasis and it, it obviously wasn't. But yeah, the third downs were killer. It just was uh, it was a nightmare from from really start to finish. I mean, and, the, got scar- to the, state- and the, the scary part of that was as bad as they were
0: playing early, the first drive of the third quarter, they're still in the game and, and Saban yeah. just totally panicked on the fake field goal i it's mean a, it was
1: complete panic was a, i mean just just
0: go if you're gonna go for it go for it i i'm i'm, I'm cool with going for it, whatever but the, well, the, the i mean the whole the whole country knew he was running a fake there I mean, clemson was playing basically a prevent let them kick it coverage on fourth down and for them not to call off the fake or take it, you know call a timeout or whatever they had to do to get the offense back on the field just was
1: was baffling and just mind numbing well and and that 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 was one of two plays that really just encapsulated the whole game. Why on earth are you you have you have a, a guy that's the former SEC offensive player of the year? He's highly coveted by Oklahoma. He's at Oklahoma now as the backup quarterback. That why why would you why would you run with your third string quarterback who's not a running quarterback as and your kicker as the blocker yeah, when you have just, all these five star athletes on the field and and then down on the goal line on the other end where you run a fourth and two and you run a quarterback sweep with a guy with a bum ankle and a bum knee, right? and you got Jalen sitting on the bench. Like, it just doesn't – the play calling was just a disaster. I mean, it was just and, – and, and, and I know we've talked about special teams before, but,
0: you know, you're, you're, the kicker missed an extra point early in the game, and the, the Saban had zero confidence in the kicker, which even made more – no, no sense that you're right. going to roll him out there when they know you're not going to kick a 40-yard field goal with that guy not when you're down already 15. down.
1: Not down 15. You're not kicking I mean, a
0: field goal. <laughs> and you might have kicked it if you had a solid kicker. If he was a reliable guy, you might have kicked it in the, had he not missed early in the game, maybe. But when the guy missed early in the game, as poorly as he did, he struggled all year. Not all year, but you know he struggled uh, making kicks, especially from that distance. Right. Everybody in, the, everybody in the country knew that they weren't kicking that ball 40-yard field goal down 15 in that situation. So,
1: no, just no. I, think
0: he pan- I think he panicked. And, and again, that was I – mean, and I hate to say it, it was probably good for the Alabama program to take a beating like that one time because they've never had that kind of beating. Hopefully it'll – you know, it'll maybe – Saban will kind of – you know, like you said, the mass exodus of the staff. And I think part of it was him wanting to get rid of a couple guys, but also like a like year in, year out. There's two or three guys a year that just want to get out of there because of of the just the stress and the strain that Saban puts on those guys, and maybe Saban's going to figure out that he needs
1: to change his dynamic with his coaching staff a little bit. But you know, though, we talked. I talked to a friend of mine about this. I don't think that, I, I think that if you can't handle it, then you're probably in the wrong business in the first place. Eno's obviously could not handle it, that's why he left. But Saban has been the same way, if not even tougher in the past. And, and guys didn't just leave. I mean, Kirby Smart was there for almost 10 years. Kirby could take it. Uh, most of the offensive coordinators, these guys could take it. it. I think, so I don't know if it's that or it's just the, the wrong guys and the wrong mix, but you can definitely see, if you look, if anybody's following the coaches, and I've followed every single one that's come in, <laughs> he is definitely rebuilding this staff the way he wants it. I think, I think it kind of got away from him after Kirby left and he was kind of put into some positions that he didn't want to have to to hire a few guys, but he had to because of recruiting. That's the whole reason that Tosh Lupoy was even the defensive coordinator was because he was the number one recruiter pretty much in the country, and he knew he had to have him. But, I, I mean, getting the guys that he, that he got, getting Sinceri back, I think is a big get for them because of what he was able to do in the previous stint with Alabama, what he was able to do uh, at Tennessee, at Florida, uh, with the Raiders. I mean, he's a really good coach. So I think that he's definitely rebuilding the, the the coaching staff back to his image. I don't you know I think he I think he really he really opened the offense up. He said, look, we'll try it this way. We'll try the the fun and gun and we'll do all this stuff. And then this is what happens. And I think he wants to get back to Yeah, we have a quarterback that can throw the ball, but we want to get back to the basics and, and start running the football more. I think that and, and play a defense. And I think that's right. what he wants to do.
0: And of course, Sarkeesian back
1: in the mix at the OC yeah. happy hour galore for everybody in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm really, you know, I think most people and and myself included the initial reaction that was, Oh boy. But then the more I thought about it, you know, his offense this year with Atlanta was really pretty good. Ryan, Ryan had a great year. Julio had a great year. Uh, Calvin Ridley was had a, had a great rookie season. Defense for Atlanta was, was horrific. And, uh, so, I mean, that was not, the offense was not their problem. And the one game that he, that he did coach, he actually had a great game plan. The two things that happened was one, Bo Scarborough went down in that game, uh, you know, in the late third, early fourth, fourth quarter, which really limited what they were trying to do, which was to try to bleed the clock. And when he, and when his offense left the field against Clemson, they had the lead. Right. Jalen Hurts scored the touchdown, they had the lead. So. You can't really blame that game on Sark because no, he scored thirty plus no, points. So no, Sar-
0: Sar- Sarkisian will be he'll be good for saving. Because I think Sarkisian ultimately is a college coach, yes. and ultimately he's trying he's going to try to get another head coaching job. And the- he's probably going to have to be at Alabama two or three years probably before somebody's going to give him another shot of being a head coach somewhere. So I think he I think he realized in Atlanta because he was probably going to get he was probably going to get let go in Atlanta anyway. But I think he realized. College is where his, his bread and butter is yeah. long term. And he, he's not going to be a, co- a head coach in the NFL where he, he'll probably have an, one more opportunity to be a head coach in college after a couple more years if, if things go well in Tuscaloosa.
1: A lot like Lane Kiffin. He's, right. he's going to be a, I mean, you got the same similar situation as far as the, the checkered pass and all that. Right. And so, yeah, I, I agree. I completely agree with you. All right. So, let's transition to the
0: National Football League. Last Sunday was kind of a weird Sunday for me. It was the first Sunday with no football since September, yeah. unless you were uh riveted by the rain the rainfest pro Bowl down here in Orlando <laughs> the monsoon in orlando which I, I i I have to admit i didn't I didn't even watch a play of it i could
1: i can't I can't watch that stuff man i can't either i don't i have, I haven't watched the pro Bowl since they were in Hawaii like in the nineties I think when I was young i just yeah. I, I could care less it's it's completely meaningless and it, it it just does nothing for me. I don't yeah, have it, it. It, it's unwatchable, man. Yeah, it really Un, is.
0: Unwatchable. So so that was, you know, so obviously it will be fun to get back to watching obviously the last game of the year here for the next 6-7 months. Um all right, so let's talk real quick and before we get to the game stuff, let's talk the polar vortex. That's all the rage this week. It's all cold. rolling through the Midwest and the Southeast and I know it's hitting you, it was supposed to hit you guys up in Birmingham pretty good and it's actually been pretty chilly down here the last couple of days. I mean, it's chilly for Florida. That's like in the below 50. But uh, yeah. so, uh, so give me give me a polar vortex update for Birmingham.
1: Well, we were supposed to get snow Tuesday morning, early Tuesday morning, about five o'clock. So, of course, just like we do in the south, we cancel everything. <laughs> the, the bread racks are, are empty. The milk, the milk is gone from the stores and uh bottled water the bottled water everything it's all you know and 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 i know people laugh at us and make fun of us and and you weren't here and i don't think in 93 actually i was there in 93 so you remember the blizzard yeah the blizzard of 93 it came in march nobody was expecting it it hit so hard it knocked power out for days people died people were stuck in their homes i know i i remember i was stuck i was about 14 13 14 years old and had to sleep in the living room for four straight days with my parents in the living room too because we had no power we only had the fireplace to keep us warm I mean that's you know we lost all the food in the fridge that's right. that kind of stuff happens
0: yeah you guys you, yeah you guys in the south they we they, we freak out down here in the south just because one we're not prepared on the roads the, 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 right. they're not prepared from the from a public service perspective to, to be able to put salt on the roads and all that kind of and clear that kind of stuff and right. i just got a thing on my facebook apparently five years ago and i can't believe it's been five years yep. already literally began. to the literally to the day like yesterday it was either yesterday or monday yesterday. i got a feed on my yep. facebook yesterday. i remember five years ago we had a massive ice storm and all that stuff and i remember i couldn't get to my house so i ended up sleeping at hunter street baptist church for a night <laughs> Yeah. It took me. Uh, I ended up going up to Jim and Nick's, the barbecue restaurant, and I hung out there for about four hours. Um, I, I I got as far down to my house as I could. Couldn't get over a hill that I had to get to my house, so I ended up having to go sleep in a church for a day. So it was. I you're thought not, that
1: was. You you're not getting up one fifty. Huh, no. with ice, not that. And that's the other thing. A lot of people don't realize. Like my dad's from you know lives in Michigan, up in Detroit. He laughs at us, but I'm like, you have nothing but flat land up here. We have nothing but hills and valleys. It's hard. You you can't, I mean, if you don't have salt on the roads and it's and and the road is iced, right, and you're, you're going dead. up a hill you're dead. You're dead. You, you can't get up it. And and I know, you know, obviously I live I live very close to where you used to live, and I come up that hill almost every day. And yeah, I know exactly why you got stuck because there's no way you were gonna get over that hill, even even though you were only about a mile and a half or two miles from your house. <laughs> I mean, it was,
0: and even the next day after the roads were still good enough to get over the hill, when I got over the hill, there were probably 35 cars either ditched in the ditch because they tried to get over the hill and lost control the day before, crashed, dented. I mean, just, it was literally a disaster, just the cars, the number of cars that were just stranded, that people just aborted their cars and left and wherever they ended up going, it was just it was just a crazy day and a half or so i remember again it was just funny how it's literally 5 years ago yesterday
1: it was 5 years ago yeah
0: i mean just crazy and i still have videos on my phone from from when i was walking
1: down 150 and it was it was funny
0: it was it yeah. was some good stuff so yeah so yeah
1: it's it's still cold it, it was like 19 degrees this morning it's 30 degrees right now it's going to go down about 24 tonight but uh they closed everything we woke up <laughs> my Luckily we didn't have to work and my daughter was out of school, but of course she was expecting snow. And so when she woke up to nothing but grass and <laughs> everything, the way it was, she was very disappointed. A lot of kids were disappointed that there was zero snow, even though it was a hundred percent chance of snow, <laughs> um, but nothing hit. I think a couple areas of the state got a you know a light dusting, but it all melted pretty much on contact. Man, so. That's crazy. Yeah, like, like you said, that the 93 blizzard, the thing they called snowmageddon, uh, from 2014, which did happen, like you said, five years to the day yesterday when it was supposed to hit. That just makes everybody trigger happy and they they cancel everything. They don't want to get caught uh, yeah, caught yeah. again because uh, yeah, yeah. a lot of people had a lot of problems. I, I was fortunate, you know, I would have I was working at a region's uh, branch in Mountain Brook at that time and lived in Pell City, which is about 45, 50 minutes away. Ooh, that's I,
0: brutal that's a brutal drive on, you know, in any kind of bad weather, you know?
1: Well, fortunately for me, and I know this sounds weird, I had pneumonia and had just got out of the hospital the day before that happened. And uh so I was at home because I was I was still recovering from pneumonia. And that is the only reason I was not on the side of the road with everybody else. Otherwise we would have been at work and I would have been coming home and, and got stuck on the freeway, which would Jeez. like I said, would have been about a fifty mile hike. <laughs> so
0: and I know we're complaining about our our meager problems here. I know a lot of you guys, if you're listening out in other parts of the country, it's so much worse. I know I've heard I've heard temperatures of 50 below zero and that kind of stuff with wind chill of 60 and 70 below. So if you're it's out crazy. there, if you're out there, take care of yourself. Obviously, don't go outside until you know you're 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 advised to do so by your local weatherman and all that good stuff. But definitely, we're thinking about you. I know it's brutally cold and. Virtually unlivable weather, you know, other than out, in, other than inside your your home or your apartment. So, for those of you out there in that cold weather, we're thinking about you. Take care of yourself, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, the vortex will get get out of here as quicker than quicker than 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 anticipated. So, <laughs> all right, so let's go to Super Bowl memories before we get to the game. Let's talk about some Super Bowl memories. I'm going to give you a couple of my memories, and I'll let you tell me about your, kind of your first Super Bowl memories. I think the one. Probably the first Super Bowl that I really remember vividly was was actually here in Tampa, 1984, was the Redskins and the Raiders when Marcus Allen had his famous kind of a, a long run in the in the game against the against the Redskins where he went like 75 yards, yeah. kind of reversed his field and all that good stuff. And then right before the end of the half, Theismann throws an interception on a screen pass to the to the famous Jack Squirek, the linebacker for the Raiders. <laughs> and, and the raiders celebrate with a huge win 38-9 over the redskins joe Theismann and the redskins so for me that was kind of that was an early memory i remember 1991 it was another super bowl here in tampa i was actually fortunate enough i was i when i was in high school i worked concessions at the at the stadium here in Ta- the, the old sombrero i sold uh, i sold sodas at the at the bucks home games
1: scott norwood
0: yep scott norwood wide right against the Gi- buffalo and the giants I got to I got to work that Super Bowl, and that was actually the Desert Storm Super Bowl. Yeah,
1: Whitney the Houston. first
0: time when security was a, ever a big issue and all that stuff, and that was that was that was pretty interesting. During that kind of we were right in the middle of the Desert Storm War, and also the kind of the probably the most famous moment of that Super Bowl, other than the missed field goal, was one Whitney Houston's yep. uh, national anthem pregame. Just something that you'll you know will go down in lore as is one of the greatest. Of national anthems in history of sports. Uh, that, was, uh, that was one for me. What about you, Mike? Uh,
1: my first memory of a, I, I remember very, very faintly the uh, Bears and the Patriots in 85. Um, the first one I remember vividly was probably the, uh, probably the 49ers and the Bengals with um, Montana to, to – To John uh, Taylor. To John, John Taylor. Taylor that one and then uh and then the Scott Norwood is where I really started remembering, you know, remembering them. But I you know, obviously the most recent one that I remember is probably going to be the most memorable for me was the one that you were over here watching when the Patriots came back against the Falcons. I don't think I'll ever forget that uh mainly just because of just because just to watch you um <laughs> With the uh, financial impact that was that was happening, <laughs> and Jimmy White scoring, uh, and uh, we had Guy down here as well, oh, in the main God. cave watching it. That was that was a that was a memorable one. I was actually thinking about that one, either yesterday or today. I was thinking about that and laughing about I, it. I but, forgot uh, that I was at your house that night. Yeah. We what?
0: Wow, that, <laughs> that was just what was sick about that game was how many things had to go perfectly right for the Patriots. <laughs> Like, we, like, I think we charted like nine things had to go. Yeah. If one of nine things went the other way, the game
1: was over and Atlanta yeah. wins the game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could, it wasn't just one play. It was like, it went all the way back to the third quarter. Like, if Edelman doesn't make this catch or, 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 uh, if Brady you know, doesn't just, make this throw or if he gets sacked there or if, if, uh, Tower doesn't recover the fumble, you yeah, know? I, I yeah. Mean, and, or yeah. Julio, if, if, uh, Julio doesn't, doesn't, um, or if they, they don't get, sa- I mean, don't get Matt Ryan, doesn't take the sack. I mean, it was just one after the other. It was crazy. Oh, I mean, my God. And, and uh, you know, a good friend of ours, Matt Dickman, is a big Falcons fan. was at that game. And uh, I, I mean, I don't think I talked to him for about two weeks. I don't think he could talk about it after, for about two weeks. I can't imagine being a Falcons fan at that game. Thinking, you know, we're about to win our first Super Bowl against the Dynasty, <laughs> and have it ripped away like that—that I mean, that is just brutal. But, uh, but yeah, those are the those are my memories. I think the most memorable one, ironically, was probably for me was probably the Elway against the Packers with the helicopter spin. Spinner, on, yeah, on, yeah, yeah, Quarterback, that, that was,
0: quarterback run. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, I got to meet Terrell Davis earlier that year. I'm sorry, I, I got to meet him. Uh, later that March after uh, two months after I met him in Atlanta. And so, and I remember watching that game and then meeting him a couple months later. So that game has always kind of stuck out to me.
0: Yeah. I've got, I've got a good one too. A good, uh, I was, so the bucks were in the super bowl in Oh three against the Raiders, obviously when they, when Gruden played against, you know, Oakland, I was at, I was still in Birmingham. I was at PT's, which is that that little small little, uh, you remember PT's little small little sports bar in, in Homewood. Yep. And I actually, I actually bought a couple of Super Bowl squares. You know how everybody has these Super Bowl squares for the, uh, for the game. And the squares were 50 bucks a pop, which was pretty steep for me. I mean, I was, yeah, I was, that was very steep. So I, I bought two squares, and the, my bucks are rolling the Oakland Raiders. They're, they're winning, they're winning, they're winning. And all of a sudden, I look up with about four minutes to go, four or five minutes left in the game, and I look up, and I realize my two numbers – I've got the – if the game ends, no more scores in the game. I've got the fourth quarter – I win the fourth quarter square, which is going to be worth like 1500 bucks okay? I think the number was – I think the score was 41-21 at the time. That's so not all I gotta do is All I got to do is get to the finish line with no more scores, which at that point both teams were running out the clock basically. The Bucks had no intention of trying to score. And as that, long as – and the Raiders really weren't even trying to score either really. So Dexter the, Jackson. Yeah, Dexter Jackson had already, you know, he he'd already done his damage. I'm getting ready to get to the to my man Dwight Smith.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, man, yeah.
0: Dwight Smith, for some dumb reason, the freaking Raiders are throwing the ball with like 40 seconds left in the game on their own 25 yard line, 30 yard line. And my dumbass Rich Gannon throws an out route to Dwight Smith. And if Dwight Smith does anything but score a touchdown. I cashed the square for fifteen hundred dollars. Now, granted, I'm excited. I'm, I, I know my bucks are winning their first ever Super Bowl. I'm already over the moon because they're 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 destroying Oakland. But I am screaming at the TV in the bar at PT's. Tackle him! Tackle him! Run out of bounds! Do something! But run down the sidelines and score a freaking touchdown right there! <laughs> Dwight Smith ruins the fifteen hundred dollar Super Bowl square for me by scoring a meaningless third defensive touchdown of the game. Unfreaking believable.
1: And let me just tell all you folks listening out there, when he says he's screaming tackle him, (laughs) he really means he's screaming tackle him.
0: Pretty. I mean, Jerry Rice had an opportunity to push him out of bounds and just missed him. I mean, he shoved him, but he didn't shove him enough. I mean, two guys had an opportunity to, 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 to push him out. Fall down, do something. Just don't score a freaking touchdown, Dwight Smith. I mean, I mean, unbelievable. But he scores, so it's forty-eight twenty-one. Of course, I don't win the pool, in the fifteen hundred dollars. Though I did, though I did have a. There was some financial impact on the other side with the Bucks winning the game anyway. But there was a fifteen hundred dollar uh, nugget that I will never see again. And so that's kind of my famous Super Bowl Square moment. It just so happens it was my team that stuck me in the keister.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's why you never bet on your own team.
0: (laughs) All right, all right. Let's get to. I want real quick. I want to hear your just your quick thoughts about the uh, officiating debacle in New Orleans. We won't talk about it long, but you you know, your our boy Vinovich, Mister Sunday Night, his crew, his he was kind of the, the, the the crew chief of that crew. Obviously, we had the no call down the sidelines. Apparently, Sean Payton. Had his Ben and Jerry's moment where he sat in bed for three <laughs> days and ate ice cream. Je- Jenny's ice cream.
1: Jenny's ice cream. <laughs> Jenny's,
0: yes, not Ben and Jerry's. It was Jenny's. So he was getting nice and plumpy with his Rocky Road and his coffee and his uh, ice cream and all that good stuff. So His
1: reading, gla- his reading glasses
0: down on his nose. Now now, now the conspiracy is there was four officials in that crew that were apparently from Southern California. And Stop. now there's speculation. <laughs> oh,
1: God. Did they Were they cheating for the Rams? I mean... Your thought your quick thoughts, well, first of all, I think that's insanity, but I mean you know you're going to have your conspiracy theorists but whatever i i mean now granted for me i was I was pulling for the rams um you know for the playoff pool, but uh so it it was it was one of those that you're like I really needed that to happen, but man, I wish it wouldn't have happened like that um it was just horrible i mean there's no there's another no word about it, but I think it's definitely um, I think it's I think it's big enough it happened in a big enough moment and it's it's I mean you're really you're talking about it it literally changed the course of history I mean yeah the, that call I mean all that call is made and the game is over the Saints win it is it is New Orleans versus New England it, it, I mean, it's just it's really crazy to think that one call has changed that much but I think that that's really going to bring some sweeping changes to replay You know, I was reading an article today. Belichick has been on board since the beginning, uh, pretty much saying all calls should be reviewable. And really, why not? I mean, if you keep the same replay format as far as the challenge system and two minutes, possibly, you know, obviously you might have to tweak that. But if you keep the same format, it's not going to slow the game down any more than the game's already slowed down by replaying like the Kansas City, New England game where they had to replay like three in a row, pretty much. Right. I mean it, it's not going to change anything else it's just going to get things right and I understand it's a judgment call but when you have something that, that that's that blatant not to mention you have the helmet to helmet after the fact right I, you got to do something
0: i mean i'm, it, I'm not a, i won't be a fan of them reviewing every single play i think there need to be some parameters hey right. it's un- under 5 minutes left in the fourth quarter kind of deal or maybe or it, it only can be a you know pass interference type situation because we don't want we don't want replays for illegal contact and just you no. know those kind of minor things. I think there's going to be there needs to be some very specific things that they can replay. Whether it's interference, um, it has to be to me. It's got to be interference when the ball's being thrown to that guy. It can't be interference away from the ball, things like that. Um, right. Because you're going to open up a, you're going to open up a, up a can of of worms if you allow replay on anything because you know offensive holding, offensive lineman holding. Oh you yeah, know, that would, those yeah. kind of things are going to be things that we, we, as the fan, don't want to be seeing all these reviews about for sure.
1: Well, and and you look at it though, like you look at uh, the college game with targeting. I mean, they pretty have they pretty much have that taken care of. It's it's a yep. penalty, and then they review it. They don't they don't assess the penalty, and they do not disqualify the player until they review the call. And that is a judgment call, is it not? I mean, it, it's a judgment call, I and mean, then. I think though, I'm not, I'm not, I
0: can't remember if this is the college rule. I don't think, I don't think they review it. Do they review, do they review in college if the guy doesn't throw a flag? Do they still review, do they still review targeting? Okay.
1: Yes. They can still review it eh, even after the fact. If, if they deem that, you know, yeah, this was a helmet to helmet shot. So, right I mean, it is a judgment call. It's the same. It's no difference, really no different than pass interference. So I agree with you. I don't see what the, what the big deal is, and if – I mean, if you give a coach two challenges and you say we're opening it up to whatever, and they want to burn their two challenges in the first half based on because of whatever call, then what does it matter? They're out – if it's right, they're right. If they're wrong, they're wrong. They, they're here's, the one thing I, here,
0: here's the one thing I would say from an officiating perspective. There are a lot of plays in football, whether it's DB receiver or contact down the field, that a lot of times – the, the the official makes the determination hey there was contact there but the contact did not was not sufficient enough to deem it to be an advantage gained by either right. guy right. thus I'm not thus I'm not throwing the flag
1: well because and I think, you know you and i you and i both you're you were you're a high school official I, I officiated back in the day and so and and in our group that we hang out with a lot of our officials so we understand that part the the typical fan does not understand that the the reason for a penalty is not because it happened. It's because that there was an advantage gain. That right. is the that is the key. Those are the key words that most typical fans do not understand. They oh look at him. He was grabbing him all the way down. Yeah, but was was there an advantage gain? And that's why you see a lot of like hand fighting down the down the field between receivers and DBs, and both of them are doing it, and there's no flag at all because. Right they were not gaining an advantage on one another. So, right. I, I, you're right, you're right on the money with that. And I think that's one thing that most fans don't realize is that is the key word there, or the key words. Advantage. And
0: that's going to be the hard part with re, if you allow a replay right. on that kind of stuff right. is to be able to say, to be able to determine, okay, he didn't throw the flag because the ball was three yards out of bounds or the ball was, you know, or, or, or both guys were doing it. I mean, we see all the time on a ball down the sideline, the offensive guy will push the defensive guy out of the way and there'll be no call. The ball will be incomplete. They'll just call the next down. And e- even though the offensive guy is the guy that, you know, pushed off from the defensive guy. So exactly I, that's, that's going to be the tricky part for me on pass interference on, on that kind of stuff is, is that kind of stuff that, you know, officiating philosophy of there was really no advantage game by, te- but technically there was contact, but, te- and, so that's going to be the part that's going to be tricky to to, to review.
1: Well, they they got to do something though. I mean, you the NFL, uh, it, we know that they are a reactive league. <laughs> they react when things happen, and and I mean, if if I'm not mistaken, the uh what 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 happened? I can't remember what it was, but there there was something that caused the overtime rule, which I know you're about to talk about. But the overtime rule that the way it is now, it was because of something that happened in the playoffs that was or not in – i believe it was in the playoffs that was so like people were like people were all up in arms they can't believe that you know you're not going to give this guy the ball and blah 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 and just because this this team won the toss they kicked a field goal and then all of a sudden it gets changed so the competition committee's got to look at it right they got, they're going to have to do something though because because the, i mean the, the the way that the way that this is the black eye that this has caused for the league especially on this week and or the yeah. two weeks yeah. leading up has been horrendous. I mean that they, they cannot escape this thing. And then it made it even worse that Goodell never even they never even spoke publicly about it until today. Right. Right. <laughs> right.
0: And it, yeah, I mean he I mean and I'm gonna say this for Goodell. I'm gonna I'm gonna I mean he probably should have said something briefly, but I mean what what are you gonna I mean what are yeah. you gonna say to the New Orleans fans that's gonna satisfy them, whether you no. say it on Monday or a week from Monday. What are you going to say? I mean, and people aren't getting, to me, people aren't giving enough criticism to, to, to Breeze and Peyton. First of all, Breeze, yes. on that, and granted, Peyton should, have, should not have thrown the ball in that first down play, but he did. Breeze throws the ball right in the ground. I mean, you yeah. can't throw the ball directly into the ground on that kind of play. And that's just a total, that's just a total disaster by Drew Breeze. And, and he's kind of getting a free pass on this. If he doesn't throw that ball in the ground, Thomas catches it, gains four or five yards,
1: and we're probably not having this discussion. Well, you know, I, I, I've questioned Sean Payton for a while. I know – I think you I remember the Carolina game. I mean, his play calling – it's almost like he overthinks himself sometimes. Like the, the Carolina game when they're, they're trying to score there at the end and you have two all-pro backs in Ingram and Kamara and yet you do a revert, you hand off a sweep to Tommy Lee Lewis on a right. goal line call. You know, it's things like that and, and that. and that kind of play calling was littered throughout the second half of that game. Oh, in the and, first half, in the first, in the first possession of the game,
0: two things. First of all, the tight end, Dan Arnold, who was my playoff fantasy sleeper, freaking drops the ball right in his hands on the first, possession. not right in his hands. It would have been a hard catch, but it's a catch you got to make. Uh, right. Drops the ball in the first possession. On the same on the same drive, they get the ball inside the five yard line and they bring in Tayson Hill to run a freaking quarterback, you know, that kind of garbage kind of, you know, the, the Wildcat kind of deal on the goal line. Put the ball in your best players' hands in the in the in these championship games. Don't yeah. be too cute. Don't try to get too too, you know, out trick everybody. Do what you're 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 the best at doing. Kamara, yeah. Ingram, Thomas, and freaking Drew Brees need to be touching the ball.
1: Yeah, when you, have, when you have a Hall of Famer that's arguably one of the top ten quarterbacks of all time, and you're taking him out in the red zone so that you can run a gimmick play with a guy who is a backup quarterback but also plays on special teams, right. that just doesn't make sense. And, and so I agree with you. I, I thought that, you know, I think that they don't have – I agree that the call was egregious. There's no question about it. It did. It did change the course of history. But they're not. But they also had a chance in overtime. Absolutely, and they, they had run.
0: the first possession of overtime. Exactly,
1: and they threw an interception. You got. You look at the look at on the other side of the coin, and you look at Tom Brady and the and the Patriots when they get the ball first. What do they do? They go down, and score a touchdown, and they end of the game. They don't right. fool around. You know, they're not throwing on first down. They're not. Th- they're they're running the ball like they're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to do in the playoffs. And is exactly why Sony Michelle has about. It. Five touchdowns and 400 yards and in two games i mean right that that's what that's what they do best they they run the ball they put the ball in brady's hands on third down when they need to they don't take it out of his hands and bring in some backup they do what got them there and and so i think that that kind of stuff is why is another reason like you said that they're that we're still talking about this if any of those if that stuff doesn't happen then the call is is a moot point right
0: right all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my overtime, my overtime, uh, my new overtime revision. I don't. First of all, I don't have a major problem with the way overtime is now in the NFL. I so, think if you know if they if they score a touchdown on the first drive, God bless them, and the game probably could should be over. So I don't have a big complaint. But I know everybody complains. Well, why didn't Patrick Mahomes get a possession? All these quarterbacks ought to get at least one possession. So I'm gonna give you a theory of of a new overtime procedure. That I think would would still give every, both teams at least one possession, but also would still minimize kind of the length of the game. Because you always hear the, the, the players and the, and the guys in the NFL talking about they don't want to be playing 10, 15 minutes of overtime and it go on and on and on. So, all right, so here goes. All right, coin toss. You're going to have a coin toss. If the team who gets the ball first in overtime kicks a field goal, the other team's going to get the ball. We're going to do another kickoff. They're going to kick off, and the team who played defense is now going to be on offense. You cannot kick a field goal. If, you, if you're down three points in overtime, you cannot kick a field goal to tie the game. You have to go for it on fourth down, and you either score a touchdown to win or you lose. There's no kicking another field goal to tie the game in overtime. That's the first thing. Second thing. New England, Kansas City situation. Tom Brady wins the coin toss, goes down and scores a touchdown. Okay, that's fine. We're gonna kick the ball off to Patrick Mahomes.
1: Gotta go Patrick, for
0: Patrick. You get a, you get a, you get one possession to score. If you score a touchdown, you have to go for two points to win the game. No questions asked. There's no option to kick a tying extra point. You have to go for two to win the game. That way it puts more pressure on the team behind. If they score a touchdown, you still have to make another play on a two point conversion to win the game. And there's no more, there's no more dispute.
1: What do you think? I like it. <clears throat> um, I like, I, I knew I, I had a feeling that's where you're going with the two point conversion. I think it's a lot like college once they get to that third overtime. And I, you know, I think that's what a lot of people complain about is they're like, well, college does it. Well, they're also collegiate amateur athletes and they're also starting at the 25. And while I like, I like the fact that college do, does not end in a tie. I don't like the fact that the ball is placed at the twenty-five yard line for grown men, pretty much. I, I I've never right. liked that. I, I, you know you get the Texas A&M game, L, Texas A&M LSU type games, which is entertaining. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but, but a, to, yeah, you you can't 70. have you,
0: you can't have that when you're dealing with professional athletes and no. salaries or or what they are and and guy and the propensity for guys to get hurt. Is, the further along in the game the more fatigue they get right. the more likely they're going to get hurt so i yeah. i definitely no. am not a proponent of of extended periods of time and no. you know my theory is i think if you force the team to if they kick a field goal you you can't punt you got to either go for broke to score on fourth down and you lose or you score a touchdown or well, you have to go for two points to win
1: well it, it basically solves both problems of what you're talking about it solves the problem of the game's extending forever and and it it's, it solves the Complain about well, only one team gets the ball. Blah blah blah. It solves both of those problems. Not to mention, you wouldn't have any more ties, right? Unless neither team scored, right? I mean, and and, you know, I could, and and if a team gets the ball and
0: they turn it over in the first possession, then a team obviously could could kick a field goal to win the game. But if a team scores on that first drive, the other team has to go for broke by scoring a touchdown and or scoring a touchdown and, go, or go, and going for two to win. So, uh, in, again, if a team holds them on three and out and they punt, great. If the other team can go down and kick a field goal and the game's over, if both teams get the ball at least once, you, you shorten the game a little bit. But if a team scores on that first possession, you put all the pressure on that second team to have to score to win the game.
1: Well, and, and anybody that would complain, you know, the thing is, is you're going to get complaints no matter what. It's always going to be, well, this wasn't fair, blah, blah, blah. But I like that. I actually, I really do like that. I think that that would be, I think that would be, you know, uh, it would definitely be, make it interesting. And, and it would have, think about it from the standpoint of that AFC championship game. Brady goes down and scores. Guskowski oh. kicks the extra point. Now you have the ball. You want the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands. So you got the ball in his hands. And now he's got to go down and not only score a touchdown, but he also has to go for two and you got the most prolific offense in the league, pretty much besides the Rams, that's a pretty interesting game. I mean, in the,
0: in the only scenario where you, you would, you could potentially extend the game if both teams scored a touchdown, let's say the first team scored a touchdown and went for two and made it. And the other team scored and they made their two point, And then obviously you'd have to extend the game. Right. But to me, then, then it would turn into sudden death after that. Both teams had the ball once. Now it turns into sudden death, but, you and I both know ninety nine
1: percent of the teams are gonna if they score first a touchdown they're gonna kick it, the extra, extra point. point. Yeah, so, so, I mean unless you have a, a monsoon or something like that that's you know but yeah right, ninety nine percent right. of the time yeah you're right I think that that would <clears throat> they definitely are kicking the extra point and and then it makes it even more interesting if they miss the extra point right uh, with what what would they still have to go for two.
0: I would think I would think if they missed the extra point, you could do whatever you had to do. You had you have to go. You have to win the game, basically. Yeah, you have to go for the win, right? And right. I would say, I, and I would, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So that that would be the one caveat you'd have to, you know, have to outline is obviously if a guy missed an extra point, you know, Which the ha- other team, the, the, <laughs> the extra point attempt that the second team could could kick an extra point or go for two, whichever they wanted to do. So,
1: yeah, because the, and the missed
0: extra points happen a lot. <laughs> They they do, but but now, nowadays now. But again, but again, that would turn the game into pure sudden death. After that, and and there would be no more complaints about a team not getting the ball at least once.
1: No, I mean I, I, think that you know, people want the college way. I don't like it. I like you said. I think that that's that. And I don't think that those I don't think those NFL players want it either. They no, like no. you said, they're already complaining about the lengths of games and the and the length of the season and everything else. And now you're telling them, hey, we could be playing and you know for about five hours. I don't, think, I don't think the NFL yeah. wants that either. So,
0: and, we, uh, and, and, you know, and we, and we can't mess with Grandpa's 3 p.m. blue moon window. We can't mess with Grandpa Pawpaw. at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> yeah, no, uh,
1: yeah, you can't. And that's, you know, I will say this. That's one thing the NFL prides itself on is, is the, the length of their games. You, more times than not, the NFL starts a game at 12 o'clock. And that game is over by 320 at the latest. I mean, yeah, that, at the
0: at the absolute <laughs> latest, usually before that, usually before that, really, unless usually the game goes over. That,
1: time. They don't have the problem that college has where they're dragging on these four and a half hour games, or right. even four hour games for that matter. You know, think about the CBS game that comes on at 230 Central uh, for for the SEC. That game's not over until six thirty sometimes. I mean that's Oh, crazy. you're right,
0: no doubt. It's Absolutely. just too
1: long. It's too long. And and you know pay, people complain about the length of baseball games, but college football is no different. Now, granted, it's a lot more exciting to watch in, in that time frame, but it's no different as far as the time goes. So uh, so yeah, I, I I like what the I like the fact that the NFL Sunday night game can start at seven o'clock or seven fifteen uh, Central, and I could be in bed by ten thirty. I like that. Right. Right. Uh, so, All right, yeah. so let's
0: actually let's actually get to the actual game itself. The Super Bowl, Sunday 6:30. Tony Romo, CBS, Jim Nance, Ugh. the Wolf on the sidelines. <laughs> the I wonder if I wonder if Washburn will be the other sideline reporter for CBS on Sunday.
1: Oh, I yeah, would bet he
0: would too. be. Yep. I would bet he would be. I'm sure they'll have uh, the double sidelines cover with Jay Feely. Handling the kicking game and all that good stuff. So, how's the I'm, wind? How's the wind in the Mercedes Benz do- yeah. Dome, Jay? Well, they, 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 there's talk that they might leave the roof open. Well, so that, be to see what they're going to do on that with it being chilly and all that. I don't think they. I don't think they want it to be super cold. So, no, I the think NFL it dis-
1: wanted it open uh, months ago. They they gave them an edict saying have the roof fixed because we want it open during the game. But I don't think they were expecting the temperatures to be what they're going to be.
0: Yeah, if there's an Arctic class, I don't think the, I don't think uh, Arthur Blanks will be real excited about having the roof
1: open. No, and I tell you what. Speaking of kicking, though, talk about two of the, the games, two of the best kickers in the game going against each other here. It's oh, like yeah. healthy to go, I, I, that, two great kickers that do it that do it really well. All right, your quick
0: analysis: New England offense versus L.A. Rams defense. We got Josh McDaniels against our buddy Suede Phillips you got Brady versus that front four. To me, the, 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 you know, the, the, the only way the Rams can win the game is if the, if the Rams' defensive line is very, very good against that New England offensive line. If that New England offensive line is able to play them even, I think it's big problems for the Rams'
1: defense. I agree. My, my key to the game uh, or key to that side of the ball is, that, is, is the running game. L.A. has had trouble stopping the run. They, they did much better against the Saints. They really did a really good job, actually, although the Saints did not run the ball as much as they should have. Um, but uh, for the most part this year, LA's weakness has been stopping the run um, because, of the, you know, they, they obviously had the pass rushers, but that obviously opens up the running lanes. And what does New England do best right now? They run the ball. So I definitely think that's a huge key to the game. Um, I, I, think- I expect a lot of... Sexy Rexy, a lot of Jimmy Wyatt, a lot of Sony
0: in this yep. game. And I think, I think the, the weakness of the Rams' defense is their linebacker. So I think you're going to see, one, the, the running backs coming out of the, out of the backfield. You know, I think you're also going to see Gronkowski be a factor in this game with the, with, the, the, you know, with, the, with the linebackers trying to cover him. You know, One thing New Orleans didn't have is they didn't have a very good tight end option. Their basically only outside threat was Mike Thomas, whereas the Patriots will throw the ball to Hogan – They'll throw the ball to Dorsett. They'll throw the ball to Edelman. They'll throw the ball to Gronkowski. They'll give those guys touches. And I know, I know the DBs for the Rams are pretty good with Tlaib and Peters, but the safeties are the guys I think they're going to go after. The Nickelback, the guy's been running his mouth all week about Brady being old. They're going to go <laughs> after that guy. And I think, the, I think you're going to see a lot of, jam- again, White and Burkhead coming out of the flats on these option
1: routes going after those linebackers. I can live with Jimmy White with about fifteen for one thirty. I can handle that. Uh, but uh, no, seriously, what 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 would why on earth would you would you poke that bear? I mean that that is about the dumbest thing. I, I was reading that today yeah. about uh, about Coleman, I, and I'm thinking, first of all, dude, you're lucky you're even here, and yeah. and second of all, why would you try to? I mean, I understand, like, hey, I'm going to make some news and just. But that's that's about the dumbest thing you can do. And, and, and it's been proven time and time again that you don't – I mean, that's just, that's just a dumb thing. It's just I mean, dumb. if
0: you remember several years back when the guy from the Steelers ran his mouth to Brady going into <laughs> Sunday night game and he torched that guy, that safety for the Steelers. I think yeah. his name was maybe Anthony Smith, I think. Freaking just – they went after him. I mean, not that they purposely do it, but you can be assured they're going to go after – and he's their weak link as it is. I mean, he's he, yeah. he's a weak link on, on the on the in the coverage game. You're gonna you're you're definitely gonna see Brady go after that guy either with Gronkowski or one of the receivers. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes. And again, just another thing to motivate Brady. I mean, not that he needs it, but oh, just one more thing to get him fired up. And um, you know, he's obviously already come out and said he's coming back next year no matter what. But just the motive, the, the competitiveness of that guy
1: is just off the charts. Real real quick though, yeah, seriously. Just real quick on Brady, I mean, I I I don't I know a lot of people hate him. I I know I I mean I was talking to a buddy of mine. He's like I just can't stand him. I've liked him. I've always liked him. Uh, My dad's a Mm -hmm. Michigan fan. I've always liked him since he was there, even though he beat my Tide in the Orange Bowl in '99. But seriously though, I don't think what people realize what they're watching here. This is, I mean, 30 years from now, this will be something that is like it's one of those Montana's those. The, the things it, that we talk about now. Pantheon, it, it, bro. The, the guys on Mount Rushmore, bro. Beyond. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is, this is beyond what any, I mean, it's, it's really inconceivable what what they've been able to do. And if they win again to, this Sunday, you're talking about, what is this, six, seven nine? Six out of nine. Six, six, six out three. of three. That's insane. I mean, that is, that's more than any other team will have.
0: Dude, the I mean, guy's been the guy started in 13 out of 17 AFC championship games. 13 out of 17 AFC championship games.
1: I mean, that, it's just that's mind boggling. It really is. And like, like I said, I mean, six what no, no team has six Super Bowls. So, yeah. besides, I mean, obviously the Patriots would, but Brady would have more Super Bowls by himself than any other team. Right. That, oh, for and, sure. and, he's only, and he's only been playing since 2000. Right, and he ain't done yet. There's he's no, not the, done.
0: the likelihood is that he'll probably get to at least one more Super Bowl after this one in the next couple of years if he plays two more years, so we'll see. All right. Go ahead. What are the, <laughs> let's go Rams offense versus Patriots defense. What do the Rams have to do to, to stay in the game, to, 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 to get things moving, to give them, give them a, sh- a shot
1: to score
0: points against the Patriots?
1: I think that, I think that Todd Gurley's got to either be healthy or better, whatever it was that was wrong with him. I think that's the key, and I don't mean from just the running game because C.J. Anderson has obviously shown he can run the ball uh, well, but more so from the standpoint of, the, of what he does out of the backfield with blitz pickup and also uh, with his pass-catching ability. I think that if you notice, he hadn't, caught a, he hadn't really been involved in the passing game pretty much since he, the week before he got hurt, if I can remember correctly. And I think that that's one of the things that's kind of slowed the Rams' offense down a little bit. Uh, he's such a weapon out of the backfield and he opens up the space, you know, they've really missed Cooper cup in that slot. Josh Reynolds, uh, has not really been what they wanted. I don't think and has not really filled in for a cup. And so they really, I think they really rely on Gurley there. And, and so I think that that is the key to me. I think Gurley having a healthy, what, like I said, I don't know, you know, they say he's not, he wasn't hurt. I don't believe it. I don't buy that, but, uh. If he's if he's healthy or if he just has to play better, I think that that's that's the key for me.
0: Well, you, don't, don't be dissing Josh Reynolds now. Josh Reynolds delivered for Peter Powers in his undefeated season in Deep Town a hey, couple of he, weeks.
1: He delivered for me last in the in the NFC Championship <laughs> game too, and and I'm hoping he can deliver some here again in the Super Bowl. But but I'm just yeah, saying.
0: I, I know what you saying. I, <laughs> I get. i <it>. just.
1: <laughs> but
0: he actually did. He actually did okay in his, when he had some opportunities to play, especially in mid mid season in the regular season. I think the Patriots, I think they're going to try to put the ball in Jared Goff's hands. I think they're going to, I I won't say load the box against the running game, but they're going to do whatever that they're going to really try to stop that running game and that play action. And they're going to make, try to make Jared Goff a drop back passer in the pocket. I think, I think they're going to have a lot. I think the Patriots have a lot of confidence in their secondary Gilmore, McCourty, um, Patrick Chung, those guys, I think they have a lot of confidence that they'll be able to stop. Bob Woods and, and Brandon Cooks. Um, I think they're going to really load up that front seven to try to really shut down that running game. Because I think if they if they make it be a, a Jared Goff throw fest, I think they like their chances and they're going to have an opportunity for for an interception or two, turnover or two in the game.
1: And that's why I think Gurley's so important in this game. I think, I mean, I think that he he takes the pressure off Goff. I mean, even if he does have to throw, having having that safety net there because C.J. Anderson is not going to be catching the ball uh, out of the backfield. I mean,
0: the, back I mean the, the, New, the New England front seven was really, really good against Kansas City that first two-and-a-half quarters. I mean, they, they were all over Mahomes. He was in the pocket. He didn't get out of the pocket. Yeah. They shut down Tyreek Hill. You know, Kelsey was pretty quiet, basically non-existent. other than one. You know, he scored one time, but he basically had three catches. So I think you're going to see a big emphasis on the front seven in New England maybe have that eighth guy in the box and I think they're gonna they're gonna probably I won't say double they're gonna they'll probably shade some coverage to Brandon Cooks and I think they're gonna play they're gonna play man to man on Robert Woods and take their chances. And I think they they really have confidence in that secondary. Yeah. All right, coaching matchup. Obviously you got the you got the boy wonder, 33 year old McVeigh, sixty six year old hoodie. What do you think are the, are the keys here? You think I think both teams will be aggressive as far as going forward on fourth down, potentially yeah. a fake, fake punt, fake field goal type of situation, gadget plays. I think both teams will be aggressive, but I definitely would give Belichick the, the, the edge here. I know Wade Phillips is the defensive coordinator, got tremendous experience. But, again, I think when you give Belichick two weeks to get ready, McDaniels two weeks to dissect the defense, I think that's just a combination that they're going to definitely have the
1: advantage on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I think you know, same thing with Alabama. When you give Saban a month to prepare for that first game, it's usually lights out. And I think the same thing with Belichick. You give him two weeks and to come up with a game plan to to watch for the tendencies and and get all the you know all the stuff that that or watch for all the stuff that the Rams do. And the Rams do a lot of a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff well, but you could tell as the year went on that the running or the the fun and gun offense type type calls were a little bit less you know they weren't they weren't all out and aggressive as much I think that some of the aggressiveness actually I, I saw a lot of of the aggressiveness go away from McKinney. but um so I, I agree with you there and I think that I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Johnny heck, uh Hecker with another you know another call <laughs> or another throw but um and, and, but that's the thing I, I don't think that I don't think the pagers will be caught off guard by something like that um this time and so i mean it, it's a it's a fascinating matchup though you got the defensive uh guru and Belichick, who's obviously the greatest of all time and you got this uh you know just absolute wonderful play caller and mcVeigh on the offensive side but um i i would I would give the advantage to Belichick as well
0: all right under the radar players i'm going to give you I'm gonna, I'm you're going to give me two guys. I'm going to give you my two here. I think one guy, it could be either feast or famine. I think Marcus Peters, I think they're going to go after Peters with some double moves and stuff like that. He's, he's a very aggressive corner when it comes to, to jumping routes, things like that. I think he's going to be a wild card in this game. He could, be a, he could be a star where he could step in front of a ball or something, or he could be the GOAT where they, run, you know, they get him on a double move or just they just scheme him to death as far as with different stuff towards his side of the field. I think Belichick's going to stay away from Talib as much as he can. So remember, Talib played for the Patriots. Yep. He, they know they know Talib very well. He's a very cerebral corner, still a very high impact corner. I think played they're going to go. Yeah, played against go ahead. Them
1: with the Broncos. Played against him with the Broncos too a lot.
0: Right. Yeah. So I think they're. I think they're going to focus their 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 you know their targets on one the the the, the that the, the, the Roby that Roby Coleman nickelback as well as Peters. And I think on the offensive side, I think, I think a wild card in this game for the Patriots is going to be and I hate to say this he's it, probably not, I know he's not a wild card, but I would say probably
1: Gronkowski and/ or Chris Hogan are going to be the two kind of two wild card guys. Well, hopefully we can get more Hogan than Gronkowski, so I can crawl you down for second place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh I, you know, on the flip side of that, I, my, my X factor on for the Rams, as far as, you know, what you're talking about with Peters is Mark Barron, my former Alabama guy, um, playing that linebacker position. I see a lot, you know, he could be matched up against Gronkowski a lot, the running game. He's very important in, but he is not a thumper, you know, linebacker. He is more, you know, he's a converted safety. Obviously, you know, that from his time with the bucks, but, uh, I see that as being as kind of being a, a factor for the Rams if if he can't hold up against the run if he can't take care of Gronkowski when he yep. is matched up against him I think it could be a long day for the Rams and uh on the flip side I know kind of the same thing my obviously uh uh James White I mean he just always seems to play play well in these big games um that the, he's just he's a he's He's a—he's just a great player. I mean, he's just—he's a typical Patriots player. He's in the mold of the Kevin Falk and the Troy Brown. And the I'll kind of do anything that you ask me to do. You need me to be a pass catcher, I'll be a pass catcher. You need me to run the ball, I'll run the ball. And I'm I'm, gonna—I'm—I'm gonna
0: edit my—I'm gonna edit my under the radar. I'm gonna get instead of instead of Gronkowski and Hogan, I'm gonna say this: Trey Mason and Joe Thune, the two guards for the Patriots. Those are the guys that that are either going to be double teaming Donald. And yeah. or singled up with Endama and Sue. I think those two guys are going to be critical to, to, to the to the
1: Patriots'
0: ability to be efficient and effective on offense. Because if they if those two guys can hold up against Sue and Donald, I think it's going to be a long day for the Rams.
1: Yeah, because Donald is the Donald is. I mean, everybody knows he's the man. I mean, I've never that guy just gets through the line like nobody I've ever seen. I mean, it's you know, yeah, he's just. It doesn't matter what you do to him. I mean, he just threw the line. It's really, it's really amazing to watch. So yeah, I agree with that. That is a uh, definitely a big key. If they if they can keep him off of Brady and they give Brady time, it's gonna be a long night for, yep. uh, for LA. I
0: agree. I agree.
1: All right, it's prediction time.
0: Give me your Super Bowl 53 prediction and
1: MVP. Uh I, I definitely think the Patriots, and I think it, I don't think it's going to be close. I, I have 34-21 was my score, and my MVP is going is going to be a little redemption for Jimmy White. He's finally going to get that MVP that he should have got when they came back against the Falcons. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you know that obviously the Patriots are minus two and a half, two and a half point favorites. Remember, people don't realize the Rams started out when this first game first came on yes. on the on the docket as one point favorite. So, the Patriot rules are still in effect, baby. <laughs> For the third week in a row, the rules are in full effect. I can't I can't ever remember there being a three week stretch in a row where there's been Patriot rules. The Patriot rules will once again be in full effect and will come to fruition. I think the Patriots are going to win the game 34 actually I'm going to say 30, 37 to 27 I think the Rams will score a garbage touchdown late to get it to 27. I think it's 37-27 and obviously with them scoring that many points I think your boy Mr. Mr. Brady is going to be heading to Disney World one more time yeah. and will be su- just supplant himself as the, uh, as the goat of all goats.
1: Well, I and obviously, I, I mean, anybody can. I, Brady's the obvious choice. I've tried to go, try to go a little bit outside the box, but uh, yeah. But I, I think no, I think I, I, that's that's interesting though. Neither one of us think that there are ten points <laughs> within right. the Patriots. I mean, you know, logic logic tells you that you know it's two good teams, but I think, and you could even argue that the Rams have something to prove because most people don't think they even belong here because of the blown call, but I just, I just don't know. I just, this team's just something else. I mean, remember, they weren't even the number one seed this year. They had to play the AFC championship game on the road and they're still here (laughs) and they're still exactly where everybody thought they would be at the beginning of the year. So. I mean, I,
0: I mean, I, you know, I think the Patriots are the better team overall. I mean, I think the Rams have a bright future. Um, But I do think that, uh, you know, again, two weeks to get ready, Brady, yeah. Uh, again, if they can if they can block Sue and Donald on a fairly consistent basis, I think I think Brady's gonna they're gonna they're gonna have some major success on offense. So I don't think the Rams defense is overly very good outside of the front four uh, as a, as a unit. Um, you know, Wade Phillips has had some success against Brady, but um, I think again, I think if, if if Donald and Sue at least get semi-neutralized, I think it's gonna be a lot a lot of points for the Patriots. Yeah. All right, real quick, we're going to do a quick, just brief Anthony Davis here. Just a couple of minutes here on Anthony Davis. If you, uh, again, if you don't know, Davis, the star, for, the star center for the Pelicans in the NBA, asking for a trade, demanding to get out of New Orleans. Basically told them he's not signing an extension. And the two obvious, the two teams in the mix, three teams really, the Lakers, the Celtics, and the Knicks are kind of the three teams in the mix. Uh, the caveat here is is the trade deadline for this year is about – seven, eight days away. Um, and the other caveat here is the Celtics do not have the ability to trade. Um, they cannot trade uh, Kyrie Irving as part of, because of the way his contract, the way he got to, to, to Boston, there's no, no ability for them to potentially trade uh, Kyrie Irving if they wanted to do that. And so the question is, can the Lakers put together a package to get Anthony Davis uh, he still has a year and a half left on his contract, so the, so the Pelicans do not have to trade him by the trade deadline. But again, the longer you hold him, the more likely something could happen. He could get injured. You know, whatever, the trade value for him could go down. But the other thought is that you want to have the Celtics involved in the bidding war come this summer because they have draft picks. They have uh, young assets on the roster. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown,
1: your thoughts. I was kind of shocked. I, I didn't know. I didn't know it was that bad. I don't guess I follow it that closely, but I was shocked when I first heard it Um, as a Lakers fan. I was obviously the first, my first thought was what can we give up to get him? Um, But I think that, you know, obviously you pair him with LeBron. um, You've got a, uh, you got, you got a pretty good duo there. Yeah. You obviously have, you know, it's, it's really going to depend on who magic is willing to, to part with, you know, you got, you got Lonzo, you got Brandon Ingram. Are you gonna are you gonna part with those guys? Because you're gonna have to give one of them up. Oh, you're not you're not getting Anthony Davis unless you give up probably, probably Ingram Barlow.
0: Ball and Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Kuzma is yeah. probably the best of the three.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't think I don't think the Pelicans are trading Anthony Davis to the Lakers unless all three of those guys minimum are in the deal plus a couple of number one draft picks. I mean, I, yeah. to me, that's not um, even a starting point if those three guys aren't all three in the deal.
1: No, I mean, you're going to have to give them up. So if you're willing to part with them and, and, and win now and sacrifice part of the future, although Anthony Davis is young. I mean, look what he's done for the Pelicans and one guy in the NBA, we see what, I mean, my gosh, look what, look what LeBron did. I mean, with a minimal supporting cast, look what, look what, uh, uh, Giannis is doing up in Milwaukee with a minimal supporting cast. I mean, it can be done. Uh, if you have that kind of player, and Anthony Davis is that kind of player, so, um, so I, I mean, in my opinion, I, I would do it. I would do an R B. Whatever you want, you know. Compare him with yeah. LeBron. I, I think you got a, you know, you got a good shot there. But
0: yeah, I think they're gonna. I, I, I mean, I, again, I don't think the Lakers want to risk free wit risk this stringing out another six months. You know, when the Celtics could come over the top with a huge offer that the Lakers just can't match from a personnel perspective. So I think if you're the Lakers, you do the deal now, and you, you bite the bullet now, even if you don't, you know, you're going to gut your team a little bit now by making that move, by trading all these, those guys away. But this is not necessarily a, a win now this year situation for the Lakers. I think next year is the year the Lakers have to be major contenders to win it all because again, LeBron's getting older at some point. He's, his, 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 uh, skill set's going to start to diminish, and you, you have to you have to capitalize on these next couple of years of of what you got left with LeBron and, and, and
1: well, and you got Kawhi Leonard be a, becoming a friend, right. too, and and, exactly. and you know they said he just bought a mansion in Southern California. You know, ever all signs are pointing that he's coming next next year. So you get Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James.
0: Now you got something. Now you're <laughs> you know, ready to roll.
1: You, you know, I think you can risk losing Kyle Kuzma and, and right. Lonzo Ball. I mean, you know. Those, that's okay. You know, it's a different story then. So yeah, I I agree. It's the window is is open right now for the Lakers, but but you've got to capitalize because it can be shut. And and let's not forget. I mean, Golden State. I don't care who you have. The the emergence, you know, with Cousins coming back now or coming or you know, yeah, coming healthy again. That team is is once again devastating. Devastating. They're right there. So. So you got to do what you can, and especially when you're in their own division. you got to do what you can to, to match Golden State because that, uh, that is the litmus test right now. So And the, other,
0: and the last caveat here is, is Anthony Davis's agent is the same da- agent as, as LeBron James. So I think that's right. kind of pushing all, all the, hey, to L.A., I mean, I, I, that he doesn't want to Bo- necessarily go to Boston. Yeah. They did talk about the Knicks possibly being a potential that, he, that Anthony Davis would have some interest in playing for the Knicks. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if the Knicks can, I don't know if they have enough assets to, to get him, but it would be cool if, if the Knicks were relevant again with Anthony Davis and Porzingis, that'd be a pretty good one, two punch to get them back to being relevant in, in a week in a weaker Eastern conference than necessarily is than it is in the West. Right. Yeah. All right. So we appreciate you listening to another episode of the powers on sports podcast. Tell your, tell a friend we're on, Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. Uh, you can check us out on our Twitter feed at KickTheFB. If you like what you hear, let us know. If you want to hear something different, let us know too. We're all up for some comments. And I appreciate Mike your time tonight. Thanks for the uh, the, the quality uh, contributions and stay warm in that vo- in that vortex, turn the heat on.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, you stay warm at- too. Don't let it get too too you know too close to 50 down there. <laughs>
0: It is a little chilly in the house right now. It's probably 50 out right now. So, um, But uh, have a good week, and hopefully uh, the, the 40th birthday celebration plan for the missus is going well, and we'll, we'll see you next week potentially. All right. Thanks, man. All, All right, right, buddy. See you. All right.